This is Dan Fagella, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. It's Thursday. You know what that means. We're doing our Making the Business Case episode. Every Tuesday, we're going to be covering use cases and the return on investment of AI in different sectors. Every Thursday, we're going to talk about high-level themes for making the business case, conveying the value of AI into the enterprise. Whether you work within a big company or you're selling to big companies, these Thursday episodes are going to be must-listen episodes. We speak this week with Stephen Pawlowski who is the VP of Advanced Computing Solutions at Micron. Micron, for those of you who aren't aware, is a $20 billion computing company. These folks are based in the Midwest. They've been involved in cutting-edge computing for quite some time. And Stephen brings his perspective to bear around the components of AI readiness. He talks very pragmatically about the AI hype cycle and how that's going to calm down and what that's ultimately going to mean in terms of business value. And he also talks about the core components of getting AI ready. If you're thinking about adopting or deploying AI, you can think about this as a little bit of a checklist for assessing sort of where your company stands. As we roll into this episode, I'd like to say we've been trying as hard as we can to really be able to make sure we're getting a good mix of guests for you, for the podcast listeners from cutting-edge startups to high-level venture capitalists to really hard-to-reach people at $20 billion companies to share their perspective on AI. It takes quite some time sometimes to wrangle the exact perspective we're looking for from a different array of firms to make sure we're giving people what they really want, but we hope it's worth it for you. If you like the show, if you've gotten a lot out of these episodes, we always hear from people where we've helped with their career, we've helped with them making a sales pitch to a company that they're selling for their AI-related services, or they're just getting smarter in their job and general. If these episodes have meant something to you, please do leave us a review on iTunes. It means the world. Uh, You can go to iTunes and look up the AI and Business Podcast, drop us a five-star review, and let us know exactly what you've liked about the show. It sure means a lot to me. It means a lot to the other listeners, and it's great feedback for us to learn about more of what you're looking for, what you like, and what you want to see more of. It's feedback from our podcast subscribers and from our Emerge Plus members that's really helped us to adjust and calibrate our podcasting strategy over the years. So if you've gotten a lot out of the show, drop us a five-star review. But without further ado, we're going to hop right into this episode. This is Stephen with Micron speaking about AI readiness on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Steve, I wanted to get us sort of kicked off here and get some of your ideas about what you really see as the core components or aspects of AI readiness within the enterprise. People use the term, but what do you think it means? Well, it is an interesting question. I think AI is really kind of the um, genre of all things that are going to completely change and transform how business is going to be done. And in essence, that's true. It has been around a while, and I think they're now with the advance in hardware technologies and ease of use in terms of software and the plethora of more data, we're starting to see a transformation where people are starting to use AI, you know, starting out with point solutions. And then as those point solutions start to evolve, um, looking at targeted use cases where they happen to have a set of data and, you know, they'll call a company in and say, here's my data, what can you do with it? And how can I be able to use it to give meaningful value? And then eventually it becomes transformative where it changes entire organizations and businesses. And typically that's a, there's the hype factor and then it kind of dies off and then there's a gentle build out over 20, 30 years. And so I think in AI, we're probably still at the hype phase, but eventually we'll start to see more and more of a gradual build out where people will start to use it as the same transformative technology that 
you know, people used with uh, the introduction of the microprocessor as an example, or the revolution that the internet has provided. Got it. And I think the internet analogy is is used sort of somewhat frequently with artificial intelligence, arguably a, a good analogy because it's it's not closed off to particular use cases here. Yeah. So Steve, do you, you know, when you look at where we are with AI, you know, you mentioned sort of the hype cycle here and then eventually uh, the technology becoming the norm. Do you believe that we are still at sort of the precipice of hype or do you think we're sliding down closer to reality right now? What's your take on that? Well, I think we're pretty close to the precipice of hype. Maybe it's starting to slide down to the backside. When I first started at Micron six years ago, there was very little investment in terms of silicon by the venture capitalists. And then that we just started to be inundated by more and more companies that claimed that they were doing artificial intelligence and they had artificial you know, AI solutions. And the number of silicon companies I've tracked has been greater than 50. We're starting to see some of those kind of taper off where there's not so many new companies coming in and the companies that are there, some of them are doing pretty well and they're able to raise money and build a business case. And, and still there are others that are struggling because of being able to provide a differentiation. So things seem to be, they don't seem to be on the, on the feverish trend of going up and saying AI everywhere. I think it's really getting to the point where it's starting to level off and and, and I don't know if we'll see a big trough, but what we'll start to see is just a slow and steady build out where people will not only use AI to you know, find you know, a cat in a picture or something like that, but it'll be used really in the point where it becomes transformative, where it's affecting our everyday life in ways that we don't understand today, doing just simple things that are done you know, in terms of different devices that you use, like your phone and whatnot, analyzing your voice, to potentially doing pretty substantive things like determining when cyber attacks occur and trying to prevent those, or something that would be very prevalent today, understanding how a disease can manifest itself and to be able to see how it would spread based on knowledge that we, we have to date and be able to contain that in a way that's better than, you know, some of the ways, the methods that we're doing today. So I'm really seeing more of it's just starting to, you know, the hype is kind of tapering off, but I don't think we're going to get the big bubble that we saw before, but just a steady build out from there. Yeah, I think a lot of people have their fingers crossed that we're sliding down the backside. And indeed, there are some companies that are surviving, some companies changing their value prop every six months until they raise around or run out of money. As you had mentioned, maybe a little bit less in terms of the proliferation of brand new ones. So hopefully we're settling into something here. When you think about sort of what it takes for a company to become sort of ready for AI, when I bring up this question with other enterprise leaders, there's a lot of things that come up. There's, you know, talent concerns around data science, there's educating executives, there's our raw data infrastructure, and there's hardware and software. You know, you think about a bank, you think about a hospital becoming quote unquote AI ready. Many of the listeners who are tuned in right now are asking themselves, what are the components there? What for you do you think are those pieces that enterprise leaders should see as discrete aspects of becoming ready to use this new internet as the you use the analogy there? Well, you brought up most of them. I think first and foremost, you need a strategy. You know, just saying that you have AI, I don't really know what that could potentially mean. There's got to be some reason why why this particular technology can take you to the next domain. The reason that it's really taken off from a hardware perspective is because it's the type of computation that's very highly, you know, that, that can be done on a plethora of devices and you, you know, you're not relying on the old trends of technology scaling like Moore's Law to be able to get the, um, 
the kinds of capabilities that you would out of traditional computing. As I'd mentioned, most of the algorithms have been around for years and they'd run on traditional CPUs. And now people are starting to use different hardware. But there really is a strategy if, if, there, if you've got good business processes and good business continuity, if AI is going to get you solutions quicker or it's going to allow you to be able to analyze the amount of data you're getting more and more in a faster way, then it's the technology for you. If it's not going to essentially enhance the business capabilities that you currently have or the, or the services that you're providing, traditional computing still has a ways to go and it could potentially be the, uh, the focal point. So I'd, I'd really focus on strategy first. And then you brought up a really good one, which is people. A couple of years ago, when we first started, when I first started diving into the AI again, I worked on it in grad school and then kind of took a 30-year hiatus. But when I started diving into AI again, the question people would ask me is, well, being from a memory company, how is memory used in AI? And my answer was, I didn't know. Now, that could be, no, my answer could have been, I don't know, and then I'm going to avoid the question and go do something else or dive in and be curious and see what is it that we need to do to be able to prepare for AI as an ingredient company. I think there are a number of people in an organization that are going to be afraid that AI is going to replace their job. And in some cases, over time, that may be true. But I think there's the opportunity for uh, enterprises to, you know, there are going to be some people that want to learn and evolve, providing the appropriate training, providing the online courses that are available, and allowing people to basically grow their skills, I think is going to be really important. Some of them may not have the desire to do that, but generally speaking, I think most of them do. And their jobs will change, as my job has changed over the last 38 years I've been in the industry. You know, I used to design things with a pencil. Now I use big computers and big, uh, very sophisticated programs to do the same thing that I did, but things have gotten more complex where it's, where it's been necessary. They need to think about the data. Data is being generated in, in significant ways. We've got huge data sets where it takes me just a lot of people to take that data and, and label it, you know, give it the key characteristics that you would train the artificial intelligence machines to be able to recognize and be able to make decisions upon. Having that data and where you're going to compute, where you're actually going to do the, the kind of work you need to do is going to be really important. I'm starting to see more people look at co-location, not only because of the speed of a response, but just the energy it takes to move that information to the AI compute complex just to be able to do the level of computing. And the needs and the data amount is going to continue to grow. We don't see that dropping off in any way, shape, or form. And I'm convinced that there are key discoveries in data that we don't know of today. And so keeping it around a while until it, you, know, you can gain more insight and be able to apply new technologies and new techniques on that data, I think are going to be pretty important as well. So a couple of considerations to kind of dive in here. You mentioned strategy, you mentioned people, you mentioned data. So there's there's a bunch of kind of paths we could take and we've only got so much time. But thinking about the strategy side, I'm just going to sort of aim to put this in a nutshell, at least in your opinion, for the listeners. What I was thinking as you were mentioning that is that companies need to have a pretty thorough understanding of what AI can do. Uh, what are the use case range? What's the precedence of use? What's the potential for ROI? What's the kind of necessary investment in terms of people and data to bring these things to life? And then take that context to bear and look at how they're planning to grow their company, what their current differentiators are, and saying, if AI were valuable, where would it be? 
and then to begin sort of right. from that anchored point. And then from there, we can ask, what do we need to do to be ready? Who do we need to hire? What technology vendors might we even want to look at? Is that what you had implied? Yeah, that's what I implied. And the most dangerous thing people can do is say, oh, we're all AI and just try to jump in without knowing, number one, what they need for the infrastructure. Number two, what problems they're trying to solve. And then recognizing the overall investment they're going to have to make to start to bring the organization along. Probably the biggest hesitance um, I've had in the dealings we've had as we've started to look at some of the AI transformations is, you know, people need to trust that the result they're getting is the right result and that, you know, they're not becoming obsolete because of it. We've been doing some significant work in terms of image recognition. And some of the people that have been using traditional algorithms have been the ones that have been the most vocal against that kind of activity because the networks aren't necessarily as precise as a very complex signal processing algorithm, but they're getting the results are good enough. And so with AI, you're really looking for a statistical accuracy. You know, you're not going to get something that's 100%, but you're going to get something that's 80 to 90%, which is good enough for most kinds of decisions. So I think an overall strategy of, I'm not a swing for the fences kind of guy. It's let's just go for the base hits. So first of all, you find places where you can start to integrate that technology and really learn, number one, how to use it and how easy it is to use. Because you don't want your people to have to completely retrain how they do software and how they do their algorithm, you know, how they do their work. You want them to be able to you know, work into it gradually. And so you find a couple of point solutions that maybe you need need to use if you're a manufacturing company. Maybe you use AI to process things on the line to see, you know, if there are any problems that are happening. So instead of a person having to monitor what's going on, you actually have the machine do it. And AI is really good for that because it's very repetitive. It works 24-7. It never stops. It, it never gets tired. And so you find places where you can start to integrate that technology and see, you know, how difficult the transformation is going to make, what are some of the key understandings that you gain, and then what kind of capabilities you need in the workforce to be able to take the amounts of data you have, find the appropriate features you need, train them. And with every customer that we've worked with, we've never been able to use a CAN neural network algorithm. Every one of them, we've started off with that, but because of their data and because of the type of problem they've got and the particular operating environment, whether it's energy or cost, we've had to tailor those networks to meet their particular application. So one company just can't go and buy something off the shelf. I mean, they could, but if they want something yeah. that's fairly unique to their problem, they're going to have to make those changes. Most of our listeners have had it uh, battered into their ears that a uh, plug-and-play AI doesn't exist. So. Hopefully, this is preaching to the choir for those of you who are tuned in. So yes, as you're mentioning here, a firm understanding of the challenges of adoption, a firm understanding of reasonably what the technology can do and what the investments are going to need to be, we need to ground it in that. And then we need to look at sort of base hits and sort of ways of reaching and building towards what's already important to the business strategy-wise. And for you, it seems like you know we begin there, and then we can talk about the rest of readiness from that anchor point. Exactly. Got it. Okay. I think that's a worthwhile point. I think in an ideal universe, the AI transformation vision does, at least to some degree, start at the top. It must be informed by the other players throughout the, you know, the, the chain of command, I suppose, and the different departments. But ideally, we do have a clear vision from the top. I think it might be a little idealistic to suppose we'll have that most of the time in 200-year-old banks. But I have my fingers crossed, and I think it is the, 
the ideal worth shooting for within a department, within a business, et cetera. You mentioned people. Uh, When most people say people as part of AI readiness, what they really mean is, or a lot of the time, not all the time, they really mean is data scientists. Secondly, maybe they Mm -hmm. mean having business leaders who understand AI. So so they don't know how to code, but they they get the tech. They can they can talk in the basic lingo of what the tech is, what's reasonable, what's not reasonable, what's probably hype, what's real. You're talking about even another level, which is people not being spooked of automation. You're you're almost bringing this up as kind of a you've mentioned a couple times as kind of an anchor point of AI readiness that we need to, you know, not radically change things for people. We need to make sure that they don't, you know, resist and resent the technology. How do you think about that? Because I've actually never heard anybody bring that up as part of AI readiness, but I'm curious as to your perspective there and what business leaders could do about it. Well, you know, I'll use an analogy. So when I started uh, in the industry, I was doing working on microprocessor designs at the Intel Corporation in the early 80s. And there, the individual had to intimately understand the CPU, how you had to program that basic machine. Over time, the system has evolved such that people coming out of school, when I was in school and taking computer science, we had to understand that you had CPU architecture and we were CPU architects as well as C programmers and compiler writers and, and things of that nature. Over time, that's actually changed to where there's been an abstraction of the underlying hardware. So people don't need to know how that hardware works. They just need to know that if I ask it to do this, there's something that's gonna make it easy to transform that on the outside. So I think, you know, the biggest problem with the one of the problems with AI is I think people look at it as, hey, I have to rethink how I'm going to actually use these machines. And I think what companies should start looking at is how do we make it easy for our people to use so they just don't get scared in terms of, okay, I've got this. I understand I'm not a data scientist. I don't understand, you know, some of the nuances of, of how to do, you know, transformative algorithms, you know, data transformation algorithms, things like that. But somebody's going to give me a particular problem, as an example. They're going to give me a bunch of data, and I want to be able to tell the network, here's what I'm looking for, and here's the result I want and the level of accuracy. Hit a button and let the machine do its thing and then spit out an answer that says, okay, here's what we've got. Now you can use this to run your whole data set against and come out with a particular answer. It's that ease of use. A friend of mine, Steve Wallach, has, uh, has drilled in my head over the last 25 years, the easiest thing, the most successful product is the thing that's easiest to use. So to really help in the transformation, it's not to tell people, hey, you're going to have to completely retrain your brain, but come up with solutions and capabilities so that it isn't so daunting to make that transition. And then they'll find new ways to be able to use it that they haven't, we don't even contemplate now. Got it. Yeah. And I think that the golden dream of the easiest technology to use when it comes to enterprise machine learning applications is a very distant golden dream. But certainly to your point, we can at least make it as easy as we can. And it sounds like the point you're emphasizing here, Steve, is that the users, in other words, the people who absolutely are farthest from, from data science often, if it, depending on the workflow, of course, but let's just say we're working with folks who positively don't even code, never mind code in Python, we need to make sure that our mm-hmm. workflows are as smooth as we can and that we limit the disruption, so to speak, for, for those people on the Absolutely. ground. And so for you, this is part of readiness is actually planning for that ease of, of the slide into the new transition, the ease of uh, transition to a new process. For you, that planning process is actually part of readiness. Absolutely. Huh. One of the things that I um, 
or at least looking at in terms of some of the strategies we would take is what's the possibility of building the, for lack of a better term, and forgive me for this, the Raspberry Pi of AI. The simple, easy to use device that people can get in their hands and they can start porting their problems or, or applying their problems to it to um, develop new usages and new use cases. And not anybody that actually takes that has to be an expert in terms of how that works, but they need to at least understand how it works and then believe that the answer they're getting is one that they can trust. And brings up one of the biggest concerns I have is we trust the output of machines probably a little too much in terms of, you know, we always have to keep security in, in mind. And security can't be an afterthought like it has been the last 30 years where we build something and go, okay, well, somebody can actually hack into this, whether it's the key fob on your car or something like that. We have to build it with the idea that either the data or even the algorithm that's being run can be corrupted or spoofed in some way, shape, or form. And we're going to have to build that and make sure that protection is in place right off the bat. Got it. Okay. So another an, another consideration for sort of getting started with AI, I think that the conversation, Steve, luckily now around securing AI systems, I think are pretty robust, but exactly how that's going to evolve in the years ahead. I think you and I are going to have to buckle up and see how it unfolds. But I think a lot of these ideas should be useful for the people tuned in. And I really do like the idea of pre-thinking about the ease of process transformation, the ease of interaction with users, in addition to just thinking about the use case. I think that's fruitful. So I know that's all we have for time. But Steve, thank you so much for being able to join us here on the AI and Business Podcast. Thank you very much. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. Next week, we're going to be continuing forward with our series here. We're going to be covering use cases of artificial intelligence on Tuesday, making the business case on Thursday. And this coming Tuesday, we're covering a topic we've actually never covered before. And listening in now, you might say, well, geez, hundreds of episodes of this podcast. I've been running this since you know, 2012 is when I literally started the show. How is there a topic we haven't covered for AI use cases? Well, this is one of the rare ones where that's actually the case. So be sure to stay tuned in and I'll catch you for Tuesday's AI use case episode here on the AI and Business Podcast. <laughs>